Good morning, Southeast Raleigh Table. Um, I cannot tell you how big of an honor and a privilege it is to stand before you today. Um, I met Lisa back a while ago, my freshman year in undergrad, and she came to my school and was just one of those people that you just kind of feel the spirit um, emanate off of her. And one of the first black female preachers that I had ever met. Um, so I will say a lot of my interaction with her um, has a lot to do with why I'm here today. Um, so I just want to say thank you and thank you all for um, allowing me to be here. Um, so without further ado, why don't we hop into the word. A reading from the book of Isaiah chapter 11. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. But with righteousness, he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to all the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. The word of God for us, the people of God. Will you pray with me? God, be with us as you were, as you are and as you will be forever. Speak, for your servants are listening. Amen. So last week, Lisa talked about the expansion of the art of the possible. She proclaimed that we hold this reality that the world is not as it should be, but that God who comes into this world will make it as it should be. She talked about Isaiah and the people of God and their status as refugees in exile and their questions about, has God forgotten about us? She talked about how God makes grand promises and speaks about this preferred future where he's unsettled when we're broken and hurt. I'll admit, 
I never really thought about these things in relation to the Christmas season before. Um, growing up in my church, non-denominational church, we celebrated the birth of Jesus as just that, the birth of Jesus. We had the traditional Christmas pageants and plays, and the children would sing songs, and there were speeches that they would recite, and there was, of course, a nativity reenactment. And I remember it being a lot of fun, but I don't necessarily remember making the correlation between Jesus entering this world being such a big deal and such a transformative act in that moment. From what I remember, the transformative part was typically held for Easter. I don't remember that much at all, honestly. I know that we didn't celebrate this thing called Advent, though we did celebrate the season. But as I've begun to celebrate the season of Advent these last few years, I've been able to think more in terms of what it means to be expectant of such a beautiful and wonderful thing as God entering into life with us. The introduction of God's human incarnation to a world plagued with disease, oppression, student loans. <laughs> How that incarnation has changed everything. And we get to jump in and enjoy and also labor in this season of Advent, the season of anticipation. And so that had me thinking, what is the posture that we take when we anticipate things? So I looked up what it means to anticipate something. These are the things that Google gave me. To regard as probable to expect or to predict, to look forward to something. But the definition that stood out to me most was to guess or be aware of what will happen and take action in order to be prepared. To take action in order to be prepared. It's easy to think about the passive part of anticipation as not being really something that requires a whole bunch for us to do, but just to sit and wait for something to happen. But the very definition of this word, we see that it requires a lot more than just sitting and waiting. Because we are aware of what will happen, we're supposed to take action to get ready for it. We actually have to prep to be able to receive the gifts that we're wanting. And so what exactly is our posture of anticipation? Are we sitting, chilling, waiting for that crazy thing to happen? Are we boxers in the ring with our feet shoulder width apart, one foot slightly in front of the other, bouncing, getting ready for a metaphorical fight? Or are we, get, are we getting ready for this ultimate sacrifice? Or are we content in waiting and being complacent and waiting for somebody else to do all the heavy lifting? I'll speak for myself when I say that unless it's something that I deem very, very important, I'm not the best at preparing for things. I'm sometimey 
with my advocacy of particular causes, but after pondering that definition of anticipation, I question whether or not it's my lack of belief that things will change. So instead of anticipating the good things and anticipating the best things, I anticipate when things will go wrong, when nothing will actually change at all. I haven't lived for that long, but I've lived long enough to know that I shouldn't expect a whole bunch of change at once, especially when it comes to change in terms of powers and principalities, of greed, of exploitation, of racism, of sexism, of any other evil that one can describe that seems to permeate our governmental systems, our judicial processes, our municipal structures, our educational structures. Those are the changes that it seems like don't happen near as quickly as we would like them to. I have lived long enough to see that true change is hard to come by. But I also don't think I've lived long enough to fully appreciate all of the changes that have happened that have allowed me to be here in this place. All the changes that have happened that have allowed me to go to a school with some of the most incredible people to worship with all of you in this beautiful space, to really feel at home in my skin, in my anatomical identity, and in my country. I also recognize that I am able to say that with extreme privilege, being raised in a family that had the opportunity to place my brother and I in situations that gave us diverse settings, better resources, and learning opportunities at a young age, and in turn not having to fight the same fight that my cousins did and still do when it comes to discrimination. My brother and I were considered the special black children or the exceptional ones, while my cousins were relegated by society standards to that place of the poor black children. Obviously, that doesn't speak for their funny, charismatic, brilliant, and vibrant natures, but the struggles they have faced and may have to face in the future may not be struggles that I will ever have to face. And so again, I ask, what is our posture for anticipation? Are we sitters or are we boxers? Are we actually expectant for things to change and getting ready to fully participate in that? Or are we complacent with no real hope at all that things can be different? I Look at this congregation. I follow some of you on Twitter. I know some of you personally. And I think that this congregation is a congregation of boxers, a congregation of people who teach, 
a congregation of people who lead in the community, fighting and advocating for change every single day. This reminds me of a quote from a TV show that I watched, Scandal. And I won't finish the quote, but for those of you, are we gladiators? Yes, we are. And I think the truly telling thing about Advent as a season of anticipation <clears throat> is the daily devotionals that we receive, whether it be from some subscription to a Christian organization's email or our participation in an Advent study or something like that. Maybe we're more dedicated to coming back to church during Advent because we're getting into the swing of the busy holiday season. Whatever your connection is, there's something about our actions that speak to a preparatory nature of this season of Advent. We're always getting ready for something. But just what exactly is it that we're preparing for? We do these things over and over, year after year, lighting the candles, reading the scriptures, saying the prayers. But they can't really all just be for tradition's sake, can they? We're anticipating celebrating the birth of the Savior of the world, the birth of Jesus. And for some of us, that may only be symbolic. But for other, others of us, we really need that birth to mean something. The scripture tells us that from the stump of Jesse comes a shoot and a branch shall grow out of the roots. This figure that comes to literally grace the world with his presence comes in with the spirit of the Lord resting on him the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding. This God incarnate that doesn't judge by what his eyes see and his ears hear, but with righteousness judges the poor and decides with equity for the meek of the earth. This Christ, this Emmanuel comes in and slays the wicked and the wickedness with the breath of his lips. For some of us, for all of us, this is a word that we anticipate because we really need it to come true, not just for the sake of the whole earth, but for the sake of our own survival. We need to be looked upon and listened to not with corruptible human eyes or ears, but with God's righteousness. We need equitable decisions made on our behalves. We need to walk into doctor's offices and courtrooms and lawyer's offices and be believed. We need to be able to walk to school without fear that we're gonna have to go into a drill because somebody has brought a gun. We need to be able to not be scared to proclaim Christ Jesus' name because the government in our country is suppressing the church. We need to be able to go into these places and be heard and for changes to happen. 
The season of Advent is more than just a symbol for us. It is a true hope for true change that occurs when this little baby Jesus enters the world. And so we take action and prepare for what is to come when Christ comes. We pray and we advocate, we teach and we preach, we speak with power and we command justice. We talk to our senators, we sign petitions, we care for those who can't care for themselves. We take in our children, we listen to them. We do all of these things and we do it in community and with our family, but because we realize that this is not work that can be done on our own. This is work that we do together. In this second Sunday of Advent, scripture illustrates for us a beautiful scene, a scene of the peaceful kingdom, a kingdom where the animals in creation get along with one another, and those that are thought of being ferocious and scary, they're right alongside those that we typically see as intimidated or small. They're lying next to the gentlest, the lambs, the fatlings, the ones that are the most vulnerable in nature. It paints a scene not only of animals lying down next to one another without quarrel, but actually going about the task of their daily lives with a posture that has been changed, a posture that is not posed for the kill, but rather is shaped for the transformed life that they live together. There is a mutuality that is there, a respect that is there, that there aren't power dynamics that need to be maneuvered through, there aren't these hoops that need to be jumped through for there to be on the same level. Everyone is just on the same level. And Isaiah doesn't stop this illustration with animals, but he extends that courtesy to the humans, saying that the little child should lead them. We're meant to be included in this image of a peaceful kingdom. This world where even those identified, we can identify ourselves as the destroyers of nature for the sake of industrial expansion are actually nurturers of life that we have been entrusted to care for. And who are we led by? The children. It's like Isaiah kind of knew that we needed this word in 2019 like had all these foreshadowing things. And it's not only for the preservation of ourselves, but for the preservation of all of those other beautiful works of creation. Those matter too. The scene where no body or no thing shall hurt or destroy on all of God's holy mountain is a scene of true reconciliation a scene of true care for creation. Now, I'm sure most of you who have ever been a part of any kind of reconciliation work 
whether it be racial reconciliation, whether it be gender reconciliation, any kind of reconciliation work. You know that it's a task that not only has to be led by the Holy Spirit, but takes a lot of preparation and dedication. It's hard work, it's tiring. It's not something that can necessarily be approached with my sometimey mindset, but with the mindset that things can actually change and that this earth can actually act in a way that brings about the kingdom of heaven. This truly peaceful kingdom takes patience and dedication. Love for neighbor and for self. Love for all of creation. And that's hard. We're hard to live with sometimes. It's hard to live with myself sometimes. Our ancestors knew that. They experienced in ways that I hope none of us will ever have to experience, though some of us are currently. But to anticipate this baby coming is going to change all of what we view as the comforts of life and flip everything that we've known and loved on its head. That's a hard thing to grasp. But what's coming through that is something so much bigger and better than we could even imagine. The incarnation of a God who cares and loves deeply challenges us to release our prejudice, our wickedness, our unrighteousness, our brokenness, and open our arms to a holistic love, to care, to protection. God just wants us to open our arms and receive. Receive this newness that allows us to walk into a new way of life that is a peaceful kingdom. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder brings a new and glorious morn. These are the words of a song that many of us know and have heard many, many times every holiday season, even though I think it's a song that we can listen to every single day of the year. We sing this song, O Holy Night, in a reverential way, acknowledging the deep truths that it professes. What we believe has happened on that precious night, the night that was dark, the night that might have been lonely for Mary and Joseph, the night of rejection that ultimately turned into the night of total acceptance. As Lisa mentioned last week, the birth of our Lord was ordained and deemed necessary by God to be a catalyst for change in this world of complacency and brokenness and so much death. This holy night, this night that we anticipate, that we prepare for, that we take action to get ready for, it's a night that brings us hope for a new and glorious morn. 
a morn where we should hurt and destroy no more on all of God's holy mountain. That we are all made whole, that we are all made new, that we are all reconciled to one another and to God. This holy night that shapes our posture of anticipation and prepares us to enter into this newness. Are we ready for it? Will you pray with me? God, you have brought us together for such a time as this. A time that we may feel like all of our work, all of our preparation, all of our anticipation. God, it seems like the world doesn't care about any of that. It seems like we've been doing so many things and nothing seems to be changing. But God, we know that you are a good God. We know that you are the same God you were yesterday, the same God today, and the same God you will be forevermore. And when we actually take a minute to sit down and think about all the ways that you have brought us to this point, we realize, yes, God, you have been good. The birth of your son introduced us to a new way of living, a new way of living that doesn't get old. God, we may grow tired, but you continue to empower us with your spirit to continue in the work that is necessary to bring about this peaceful kingdom. God, we thank you for the gift that is grace, the gift that is life in and through Jesus, the gift that was brought into this dark world to make it filled with light. Allow us to carry that light through the rest of this Advent season and the rest of the year as we come to celebrate that ultimate acceptance we anticipate the love that you've shown us. God, it's in your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>